I have him blocked on my phone. <laughs> I, can, I blocked myself from reaching out. You can, you can, you can now block your, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. your own contacts. <laughs> um, yeah. It's an app that was actually created for like, like romance exes. Uh -huh. So you're not tempted to booty call them or whatever. And, um, but I used it for Chuck, shitty Chuck. Cause mm. you know, it was no, the name I'm just of the... kidding. I'm totally making this up. There's no way <laughs> I would be tempted to talk to Chuck. <laughs> is is the name of the app? What's Chuck? Yeah, what's Chuck? <laughs> um, it's called Shut the Chuck Up. Accelerative Thrust. I'm Dan. And I'm Eric. Neither one of us are Chuck. We are on Spotify and Content Made Right and uh, uh, what's the big one? Transistor and uh, Amazon and Google and all these other places, yeah. I guess. Wherever and, uh, you find your, your podcasts. Yes, and you can go listen to us. And we're also on Facebook and Instagram, it turns out. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, if you have any questions or you want to talk to us about local music and yeah. things like, uh, you know, uh, cool record labels. And boy, are we going to talk about a cool record label today with our guest, who is Eric? No, our Where's guest is uh, Dolly Speary yes. from Iowa City. Who is? For, from PSYOP and Pokey's Records. And yes. All kinds of things. Looking forward to talking to her. Yeah. I think that is going to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I kind of want to talk about a couple of um, pieces of music news here. Mm. So check this out. Okay. I'm Dozens <laughs> of people might be looking back in anger at their decision to visit Britain's highest pub. After a dramatic winter storm and freezing, it prevented them from leaving for three nights. Hmm. However, uh, that's not the worst of it. Guests had originally turned up at the remote Tan Hill Inn in Yorkshire Dales, Northern England on Friday to enjoy an evening of music by an Oasis tribute band, hmm. which has the best tribute band name I've ever heard of. No Oasis. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love that. I probably would have went with Wonder Balls. Wonder Balls. That would be great. The first Oasis album was called Definitely Maybe. Mm -hmm. So Oasis's tribute or debut album should be called Definitely Not. Yeah. Yeah. I like mm -hmm. it. So there's photos of the guests doing a pub quiz, eating roasts and singing karaoke, sleeping wow. on the floor of the pub with no blanket. Back in my younger days, I, I don't think I could imagine a, a better thing than having to be locked in a bar for three days. Yeah. Even if like, it was oh, you can Oasis sleep on the floor, room. and I'll be like, can <laughs> I already yeah. was planning on it before we got <laughs> locked in? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what about the added Oasis tribute band element? Yeah, like, yeah. do you think that they played for three days? They're just like, well, we got nothing else going on. I we're stuck here. You know, I bet they did play off and on for the three days, but I hope it wasn't all Oasis. You know, like maybe no means no. 
yeah no use yes. for a name yes means yes that yes has to be the opposite yes. right now that would be really interesting if members of yes and no means no started a band called yes means yes that would be a terrible band uh yeah i couldn't imagine that gelling at all uh, i i hate the idea even yeah i i do too but i mean i had to i had to say it because you I have if to it comes it. into your head, you have to say it. That's exactly. my personal motto. Things like anyway, Gore helped uh, reunite a fan with his lost prosthetic leg at a concert. Gore. Hmm. I mean, that they're from another planet. I mean, they're not even from Earth. That was really nice of them to do. Uh I, yeah. here's the thing though. I, I don't understand. I thought they hated us humans. Yeah, maybe. Jeez, I don't know. That's a tough one. They do hate humans. Maybe they like prosthetic legs, though. And yeah, but without the host, the leg is kind of useless, kind of pointless. Well, that's true. But I wonder, like, why didn't they just take? Well, never mind. I, I am going to say this, though. Mm -hmm. That is actually a really cool thing to do. Like, yeah. in all honesty, like yeah. that is actually really, really cool. Like that they did that. And they saw like a, a legit fan that was struggling with something like that i couldn't imagine like having something like a prosthetic leg and losing it at a concert that must be terrifying if you really think about it yeah you know? yeah you know uh that's really all i got for news man uh what do you say we talk to dolly now okay sounds good so yeah today as we um teased you with last time we have dolly speary on Dolly is honestly one of my dearest friends in town. I think we have a lot of fun together and play music together, and she's a sweetheart. Dolly is in currently PSYOP, but has been in a lot of other things and also runs Hokies Records that has three tapes out that I'm sure we'll get into. And actually, we've already reviewed on this podcast. So if you listen, you've already heard what we think about them, which, you know, sorry, we are really mean about those records. <laughs> well, so I, it's funny <laughs> you say that I'm sure that they were awesome reviews, whatever. I would, I feel so silly because I totally was going to listen to that episode, which I'm sure is what everybody says, right? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I listened to it, but I was like, no, no, no. I need to, I was like, was going to listen to it at the time. And then uh, just today, I was like trying to find that episode. Oh, so I'm scrolling back through and I'm like, where the hell is it? Where the hell is it? And I'm like, yeah. and so that, that actually sort of divulges into uh, a different thing, which I was going to say, which is, damn, y'all have covered a lot of ground more than I thought as far as the oh. people that you've interviewed. Um I uh, need to listen to a lot more of your podcast. Yeah, you're in good company. Um, uh, yeah, which is better so, than bad company. Bad, we did, yeah. We did talk mad shit on your tapes, though, just for the record. So I was hoping you listened so we could get in a big fight about it. <laughs> no. no, I yeah. wish. Uh, <laughs> but but no, I was like, I definitely uh, was like, damn, I I want to know what what sort of like vibe, whatever. I'm like 
going and looking for and or just like the ability to be like hey i thought it was cool that you noticed this or this about <laughs> but i'm i am going in here completely fresh well we, we noticed all the cool stuff um right we right. and all the good stuff and we didn't notice any bad stuff <laughs> I wanted to inter introduce Dan to Dolly. I don't know if you guys oh, yeah. have met before. Okay. Um, my name is Dan. <laughs> my name is Dolly. Hey, awesome. there you go. Um, yeah, very good possibility that I may have ran into you in the past. Sure. I played in a band called Ab uh, Abnormal Man. Oh, I've several seen y'all. You've seen uh, us, okay. Yep. Yeah, 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 for sure. I know cool. Abnormal Man's cool. Yeah, that's what's nice. up. Thank you. We We try to be. <laughs> we try to be cool that's actually our whole reason why we picked up instruments was to be cool nothing else it, that's how it is that, for all that into fight between band members yeah right actually the reason for picking up instruments leads me to my first actual question for you <laughs> uh, no, nothing else you actually meant to ask yeah me. right no this is it this is my one question um <laughs> where did you grow up and what got you into playing music? So sort of like your early history playing music. Damn, I'm gonna try to, I'm going to try to summarize this as best as I can. Because <laughs> okay. this one, this one is one that cannot usually get turned into just a, a very long, long-winded <laughs> thing. Okay, shortest version. I grew up in Fairfield, Iowa, which is about an hour south of Iowa City. My mom is a painter, illustrator, artist. My dad is a classically trained cellist. And I lived in Fairfield. Well, firstly, I was specifically, my, my parents got together in Fairfield um, because of the meditation mm -hmm. community that existed there. They both like individually had their own reasons for coming to Fairfield. And then through, they both had been in past, in past relationships. My mom had two sons. My dad had a daughter. They started seeing each other through the school, actually, that mm -hmm. both my brothers and my sister were going to. And then I came into the picture and pretty shortly after that, my parents split up, lived in Fairfield for, I think, about four more years. And then I actually moved out to Oregon. The only reason this is a pertinent part of the story mm -hmm. is because after moving to Oregon with my mom, I had known for a while, like been going to gigs when I was a kid and had known for a while that I wanted to play the drums. That was the mm -hmm. one I had decided. I was like, I want to play the drums. There had been a piano in my house, had a toy guitar. So I definitely, because of the influence of my parents, had had a want for music. But it wasn't until moving to Oregon um, when I was about seven that that started to like manifest. I firstly saved up enough money to buy my first uh drum set through like saving just saving everything that i possibly could from babysitting mowing lawns and random random stuff and i had i'd never had 
lessons on like a continual basis, but like there were, cause I, neither of my parents had any money. Um, but mm-hmm. from time to time it would be like, I would be able to take a lesson here or a couple lessons here or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then my, my dad ended up moving out to Oregon after both of my parents. Um, it was very funny. Both of my parents went through their phases of being like in the meditator movement. Mm -hmm. And then by the time I was like sort of realizing what was going on, they were getting pretty disaffected with the whole thing and like starting to distance themselves from it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my dad eventually followed suit to Oregon just because he was like, I want to be able to spend time around you and not, not feeling that place and whatever. And most of my childhood, you know, music had been in the background, but he had really tried in whatever way he possibly could to, you know, support this family that he had. Mm -hmm. And obviously had just a terribly terrible time doing it. Um, He was like a phone salesman at one point, had a various number of different jobs. But uh, when he was, when he moved to Oregon, he had been indexing at the time for books. uh, And it was this very random occurrence where someone had been really inspired by his cello playing and had been like, you know what? Like, I'm going to get you a cello because you Mm -hmm. don't have enough money to have a cello. Like, I want you to have this instrument at least because I want you to play. I want you to write this piece for me and I want you to play Mm -hmm. this event for me. But like, you get a cello out of it. Um, Yeah, pretty sweet deal. Uh, Yeah. But he had been living in Oregon a little while and had recently uh, come back from this trip to Fairfield and had the cello just like in his car mm-hmm. and we were going to go to a park and like play catch or some shit. <laughs> and I was like, that kind of sounds lame. Do you want to show me that cello though? That <laughs> pretty cool. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, 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 sure. So he like sat down and started playing and then people started throwing money in his case. Oh, wow. um, and I think something clicked for him there. He was like, oh, okay, maybe I shouldn't be indexing anymore. <laughs> like I can just spend all my time out on the street playing and people will just throw money at me. <laughs> doesn't work actually as well as it sounds, but uh, <laughs> that is actually what he continued and still does to this wow. day. Um, he is a professional like street musician. He's toured around and lived out of his van since then but like pretty solidly for the past like 10 years he's just like the dude that plays the cello in ashland oregon which is pretty wild that's (laughs) a great that's a great story man that's inspiring really that's that's amazing well so yeah and and it like definitely i had my own aspirations towards music, whatever. Um, But it was definitely inspirational because it wasn't necessarily a positive thing. Like Mm -hmm. it meant that he was like broke most of the time and that like, you know, I wasn't always really able to see him as much as I would have, you know, as much as both of us would have liked, but like, Mm -hmm. sure. 
I knew that ultimately he was happy and like that had definitely a very lasting effect on like personally how I felt about the creation and like moral standard of music, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. For sure. um, so started out playing the drums when I was, I think about eight is when mm-hmm. I got that drum set. Mm-hmm. And then I, at a certain point it was like, I really can't write any songs on here. This kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I sold, I sold my drum set um, for uh, Epiphone dot Archtop mm-hmm. uh, mm. Sunbursts and sold, sold the drum set, used that money and both of my parents shifted into <laughs> So that I could get that guitar, which nice. like thinking back on it, like obviously having bought and sold so many instruments, mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, that's, that's like a pretty shitty guitar to have to go. But yeah, I, we, we didn't have any fucking money. Like, right. a, <laughs> yeah. um, but it is funny thinking back to that and being like, damn, I really had to pull out all the stops for that guitar. <laughs> oh yeah no Um, i can relate completely yeah absolutely Um, so so yeah i i got that thing and started started messing around with that that guitar mostly was me just like kind of figuring out chords and Mm -hmm. riffs and like what all of that stuff really meant Mm -hmm. um and then right i moved back to fairfield when i was i think like 12 ish i started playing guitar when i was 11 then right around when i was like 12 or 13 um i moved back to fairfield but right before i moved back my dad got me an acoustic guitar which was the first like decent acoustic guitar that i had had um and he was like you know like I got this sort of on a trade from my friend, like he wanted me to make some music for him and he had this guitar and I, it's your birthday. Like, I just wanted to give you this. Hmm. It wasn't until I had gotten that guitar that I really started experimenting with writing music. Hmm. And it was also right around that time when my sister had like an old hand-me-down iPhone that had no service mm-hmm. um, that was just ancient. And she was like, well, you can just use this with Wi-Fi. And so I was like, oh, okay. And that was the f- sort of the first voice recorder that I had. You know, I had, I had messed around with like tape players and stuff mm-hmm. growing up, but that was the first thing that I was like, trying to catalog the stuff that I was making on a regular basis. And I don't really know. It, it's funny. A lot of people talk about like, Oh, I was talking to this musician. They just said, record everything on your phone or whatever. Um, and maybe something specifically inspired that, but I think that that is really the first, I, I can't really remember anything that sparked that. It just made sense mm-hmm. to me. I was just like, I need to remember these ideas that I'm having. Um, which is, which is pretty ridiculous and bizarre. Uh, after I started writing music, it was pretty soon after that I figured out like, okay, 
I want to be playing music with other people. Mm-hmm. Like I had always wanted to be, but it, it wasn't until I was like, okay, this makes sense to me. And I didn't have anyone to play with. So I, I actually recorded a thing, a, a demo called drummer face, which still exists. It's <laughs> uh, definitely uh, very embarrassing um, mm-hmm. <laughs> in some ways, uh, but but it it, it exists, and uh, I recorded that I think when I was yeah like fourteen, mm. something nice. like that. It was all recorded on like GarageBand, and then pretty soon after I did that, I finally. <laughs> finally 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 found people to play in a band with me um Hmm. and have been pretty pretty much since i was 16 i've been playing in bands uh ever since then nice cool so was that in fairfield then that you met those other players yeah um it was a funny smattering of people i was like i want to start a punk band like i i want Mm -hmm. to start a punk band this is what like i i want um it to sound like the that was the first band i was in that band was called the punk ass kids the punk ass kids at at that age dolly what um made you say i want to start a punk band specifically was it because you heard some punk music before that or was it just kind of a an idea that you just had floating in your head well so yeah that's a whole different trajectory which is the whole musical lineage uh i guess the crash course is like you know early on started with rock music first it was like beatles and rolling stones but also funny enough right around the same time as i was getting introduced to the beatles i was also getting introduced to the clash Mm -hmm. like strangely circumstantially you know that kind of kept going where i was like okay now i want to hear some cream and some black sabbath and as soon as and led zeppelin got so hooked on led zeppelin Mm -hmm. and the who and was Mm -hmm. just like and then in my cousin's basement uh green day was like that was the thing Mm -hmm. and they were playing they were playing american idiot um on a little boom box while we were playing foosball and i was like this is the sickest thing (laughs) um and that was earlier than some of the like classic rock stuff that i was listening to but i yeah i heard that for sure and i was like okay i really really dig that really dig the like classic rock stuff (laughs) you know as soon as soon as i started finding music that i was like oh, I like this, I pretty quickly wanted to explore. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know about as much other stuff adjacent to it as I could. It was right about middle school. That was for sure the biggest musical bump um, uh-huh. of like trying to find as much new music as possible. And I started... Um, you know, we're still talking like mid to late 2000s. So, Mm -hmm. so indie rock was like really big. Mm -hmm. Um, my, my cousin's dad was a DJ on a radio station. And so he had been showing 
my cousin a bunch of like strokes and vampire weekend and sure like that and and so i started being aware of that stuff and it was interesting because right around that time i was like damn yes i love this it's both current because you grow up listening to classic rock and you're like fuck you know the ship has sailed here man right and it's also deified so hard that it's just like i have to become you know larger than life to ever achieve the things that like i aspire towards Mm -hmm. um and indie indie rock stuff definitely started to make that like attainable and i was like oh this is really really cool like from what was a very innocent like exterior perspective it seemed like oh these people are just like writing songs forming bands and like you know diy whatever Mm -hmm. like making it happen themselves which was like pretty much the only experience growing up in a small town i had had was just being able to try to like do stuff myself but pretty quickly in the process of exploration I sort of started touching back on punk stuff. Um, first, like Clash, Sex Pistols, Ramones, but then very quickly, like Black Flag, mm-hmm. Minor Threat, mm-hmm. and like started going like, oh. And, and then like, you know, you, you start to kind of like get a vibe of like what these indie rock bands are actually all about. And you find out they're actually on like big labels and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you, you just start going, the cogs start moving in your head and you're kind of like, okay, all right. There's something else going on here. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't realize like punk stuff that I had been listening to, or at least aware of for such a long time that I was already like sort of comfortable with was like sort of the exact thing that I was almost like looking for. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's and it sort of, as soon as I like made that connection, I latched on so hard. It was yeah. just like, give me all the punk music, every, mm-hmm. anything, just, I want it. I want it all. And I mean, to be fair, like at the same time of exploration, I was also listening to like my brother, super super into like 80s 90s hip-hop um mm-hmm. and so i was just like listening to so much like gangsta gangster rap and shit while also like still like comfortable with indie rock and like listening to some pop punk starting to like get a taste for metal mm-hmm. um you know definitely enjoying like deep purple and black sabbath and van halen starting to be like okay like i i kind of i understand more what's going on here kind of starting to get into blues and like soul too just like definitely a very mm-hmm. exploratory like but but that's for sure the middle school to like early high school is for sure yeah. starting to be like oh this is this is what i want punk mm-hmm. music is what i want and that's for sure why uh why that was the first band that ended up happening. Yeah, sure. Um, What kind of led to the formation of Pokey's Records? The reason I started a label was pretty straightforward. Uh, Been living in Iowa City for the past five or six years. And 
moved up here specifically to play in bands and do music. And I had, I had the funny experience of, um, you know, I, I moved here and there was so much, much more of a scene than when I, than what I expected. Um, I was sort of thinking moving from Fairfield to Iowa city was going to be a stepping stone to a bigger city. And then I moved here and exact stuff that I was looking for was here. Mm-hmm. And there was also like such a surprising, like rich history mm-hmm. of stuff that I was like kind of really stoked on. And also specifically when I was moving to town it was on the tail end of like supersonic piss and low mm-hmm. voltage. Mm-hmm. And, and then nerve was going at that time too. Mm-hmm. And then like, and I, I had like just barely missed, like there were some reunion shows happening when mm-hmm. I moved to town. I would just barely miss that. But like when I moved to town, we still had jail bus was still going. Mm-hmm. Cone trauma was on the fritz. Mm-hmm and uh beyond peace was going and for having not been in a scene of like any people that were at all even slightly into the there were not like yeah there were no punks in in fairfield there was mm-hmm. one bartender who was like my friend um but like it just it didn't exist i ended like mm-hmm. the people that i ended up playing music with it ended up going in more of like an indie rock direction because mm-hmm. like that was the stuff that was popular and in fair right. at that time. But like finally getting, I thought I was going to have to go to like one of the coasts or something to actually get to hang out with people that I, I could like talk to about any of these bands that I was like really, really stoked on. And then have people like yelling at me about all these bands that I should know about. I was just like, this is absolutely incredible. But what was interesting is so that happened upon me moving here and I was like, wow, this is this is pretty wild. And then over the years of living here with the natural ebb and flow, but also the the realization looking back on that, that like that was still a pretty weak point within the grander scheme of things in this comparatively to, you know, how it's been at some points within its history. I mean, even as like recently as like 10 grand being a band, like there was way more, way more hardcore and stuff going on in the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then then when I moved to town um, and it just it very quickly went from me being like wide eyed and like, whoa, this place is like has so many opportunities to like eventually the fact that I gave a shit and like wanted people to be coming to shows and wanted there to be spaces for shows, people like looking to me or being like, Whoa, it's so crazy that you're passionate about (laughs) what a, you know, what a part of the community, which was, is, you know, ridiculous in its own regard. But (laughs) I very quickly was just like, God damn it. Like, uh, and especially over the years of, sort of waiting around being like okay well this is one of the down years next year more bands are going to start and it's going to be like more happening and like eventually 
the starting of the label was literally me just being like, all right, fuck it. You know what? If people are, there's like so little heavy music. Mm -hmm. Um, I have these two bands that never because of like circumstantial bullshit, Mm -hmm. um, never, never saw the light of day. Um, Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to start a hardcore band. I'm going to completely write all the parts completely do the, the, the demo myself. Cause I know how I want it to sound. And then I'm also going to release these other two projects that have never seen the light of day, which I, I, they were cool. I put time and energy into these. Mm-hmm. I think the people, the other people did, I think it sucks that so much music in Iowa city, cause it does just like goes completely undocumented and it, oh, yeah. it exists everywhere, but it's like, there's a bunch of stuff that, definitely looking towards the future i would like to re-release or or release for the first time um to name a few like way of dusty death such a band that there are some phenomenal sounding recordings of that band Mm -hmm. um that exist that i have i hope to re-release that Mm -hmm. i I hope to release that because it's like the fact that it just like doesn't exist anymore like that was such a sick project and it's not unless unless someone does it joker gas i would really really like to reissue Mm. but a lot of the members of that band probably would not be super stoked on that Mm -hmm. i would be because it's sick um yeah and then what else uh juicy 66 Mm -hmm. for sure i would like to there's a really good juicy record that I would love to release. Um, and I bet I could even get the okay from like most of the members. Mm-hmm. There is also some like old stuff I want to re- reissue. Um, I'm very good friends with Eric Creech. Uh, Pent up aggression. And, and okay. we talked about re-releasing the, the pent up aggression tape. It's a good tape. Um, also, there is a mysterious unknown full length that they have that very few people have heard that is really good and sounds better than that tape that I p- might be able to do something with. Nice. But yeah, I just was like, you know what? I'm going to start this band. I'm going to start this label and mm-hmm. try to do the thing where it's like, here is this thing. If it inspires you mm-hmm. start a band, you know, and mm-hmm. like, if you have a band, maybe I can help get that stuff on a hard piece of media so it doesn't just get lost to the abyss. Right. Um, yeah, for sure. And it's funny that you bring up Eric because I was thinking about that when you were talking about that sort of ebb and flow of the scene and different uh, eras and things like that. It's like, no matter how old you are, there's always someone that's, 10 years older than you and lived through a different scene completely and knows all these other cool bands that came before. And I just think that's, I think that's a lot of fun to have that sort of lineage that gets passed down, you know, from one person, one sort of townie to the next, you know, like we have a lot of transient members of the scene, you know, but then usually there's somebody that's been here for five to 10 years and they you know they they know a lot of what's going on so yeah i think that's a really cool thing 
here. I love it. I love so much of the, I love so much of the history of like all of the stuff that has happened in the past and also mm-hmm. like all of the stuff that is, that is yet to come. Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah. It, it, it just, it does really seem funny to me because I like, I don't think of myself too much of like a musical historian person or whatever, but I, I do genuinely really, really love it. Um, I, and it makes me feel so silly and nerdy that I'm like constantly like repping these old bands being like, this is, why do you not know about this music? <laughs> this is like really important. These people well, like, I, and it's, and it's really cool. Yeah. That you're such great friends with Joe because as far as I'm concerned, a lot of the stuff that Joe Millick has done has sort of brought a lot of this together. Like his understanding of the history of Iowa punk, it's I'd put it up against anyone. And that's, oh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty amazing. It continues to inspire me. It definitely inspired me to start this label. I mean, among so many other things, it's yeah. just like, both of us definitely share a strong love for minor threat and Mm. the whole like McKay philosophy of documentation. It's the only reason, like there's so much agency within punk. It's so fleeting. It's so of the moment. And it's like, it's so easy for it to just get completely lost to the sands of time. And it's so cool. It's and the coolest shit about it is that there's plenty of stuff that's like really cool that has just been completely lost to the abyss. Yes, absolutely. So, so much punk, Mm -hmm. just like you can play the historian game through any scene ever. And it, I do enjoy that too, finding obscure like eighties, hardcore death metal or, or whatever. But just today I was hitting up someone that used to live in the scene here that used to be in bands actually with Joe being mm-hmm. like, Hey man, do you have this record? And do you have this record? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Oh yeah, I got a copy laying around. I'm hard yes. up for cash, but uh, maybe I'll trade <laughs> you some stuff. And I'm just like, damn, I really, this is hilarious. Like these records that seriously, and I mean, yeah, you look them up on Discogs and mm-hmm. the whole trip was there wasn't any on Discogs right now. And mm-hmm. I was like, Fuck, I got to get those two, those two. It's Nerve Life um, mm-hmm. is the seven inch. And then these needles, the full oh, yeah. I really, really wanted. Mm-hmm. And neither of them are, were on Discogs when I was looking. There might be a Nerve Life copy that just got thrown up there recently. Mm. But like they're selling on there for like three, three to five dollars. No yeah, one what it's right. garbage, it's local garbage music. Mm-hmm. But like to me, that holds such a like special place, specifically in my heart and like what yeah. is yeah, that's and I'm I'm like unfamiliar with a lot of these names that are being brought up. Uh mm-hmm. this is really interesting to hear that. <laughs> well, it is sort of scene specific stuff, you know, and it's like I always think about that. I'll see pictures of people I know on tour, right? And there'll be like a photo of a basement. And I'll just look around and I'll be like, everyone in that basement is experiencing their scene right at this moment, exactly like everyone in my town in the basement 
watching yeah. a punk show. And it's just like, it's so fun to think about. And each of those people is probably in a band and, you know, they have their own long sorted history and incestuous band lineups and in scene fighting. And like on one level, it makes you feel small and unimportant. And on another level, it makes you feel like totally unified in this underground punk thing that seems to be like almost its own living organism in, in the country. You know what I mean? If that's mm-hmm. not too heady, I don't it's, know. No, absolutely. It's a, it's a living organism for sure. And it's also so funny to see like how these weird ebbs and flows exist. Something else that was very inspirational to me, or at least had a certain impact was like, even once you get into punk, you know, it's very very easy to get caught up with the old stuff specifically when I was in Iowa City starting to be in like hardcore bands and and be involved in a scene of like other punks I started to become aware of the weirdo hardcore stuff that existed like bib or or gag or um I don't know there's like the lumpy lumpy and the dumpers Mm -hmm. uh that's like Seattle stuff. There was stuff on the coasts. There's that band Warthog that it's all like, and it's funny because it's very, all of it is very like hype punk for mm-hmm. sure. Where it's just like somehow these bands that are just like goobers like us, just like <laughs> they're able to like hype themselves or they're like scenes able to like hype themselves up and like, and then somehow these like dorky ass, I mean, they're cool though, too. Like, right. obviously they put in the time and they put in the effort and they tour and whatever, but mm-hmm. it, it's very funny. But like that stuff was inspirational for sure. Cause it was like current punk that mm-hmm. I was like, Whoa, this is cool that this is coming out right now. And like, even to now, to the point now, like that scene, that wave of stuff still exists in some way but definitely not in the how influential of a way it existed um and it's pretty it's pretty bizarre how that had such an effect and it's the same it's the same thing we're talking about Mm -hmm. i started this label because i want there to be more punk bands Mm -hmm. i want there to be more hardcore bands i want to put out their music sure existed in Iowa I want that to be I don't want it to be something where I'm like I feel like I'm searching for this shit and uh and I think it's I think that's possible um yeah mm-hmm. but it is it's exhausting for sure oh yeah I, I can totally imagine I love how you're coming at this from like almost like a an archive perspective like the whole label thing. I think that's really uh, admirable. I mean, I appreciate that. I also like it's archival and it's also like, I want to, I truly do want to hype up the stuff that currently exists. And it's it's funny because I've already started having people be like, well, I, this stuff doesn't really make sense for you to label, which is like, is definitely true true in some cases but like as much as i would love to only put out hardcore tapes and like metal 
like I'm definitely going to put out other stuff. I'm already planning to put out a, uh, a noise tape of my friends. And it's also not only going to be local. Um, I have a band from Springfield that wants me to put mm. out their tape. And, and like there are current hardcore bands too. I just had the funny experience. Eric, you were talking about Millic uh, always having the, you know, the down low on the mm-hmm. newest, the newest punk shit. Yeah. And like, sure enough, like he definitely gets out of the swing of things sometimes. And sometimes I'm able to beat him to it. But just mm-hmm. like your night, I was talking with, a gr- we were both talking with a group of friends and they're like, oh yeah, Dose from Des Moines. I'm like, what's up yeah. with that? And he's like, oh yeah, I know about Dose. I already ordered their tape. And I'm like, son <laughs> of a bitch, for real? Like, you <laughs> um, I'm uh, actually going to their show on the 19th and ask them if they want me to put out some music nice. for them. That's cool. cool. Awesome. Justice fetish that uh that's out of Des Moines. I'm trying to put out some music for them. Yeah, they're I great. Really, really like that to happen. They're also just like really solid people. Mm-hmm. I love I love all of those people as well. Hey, speaking of shows, you you're putting on a show this Saturday, right? Yeah. Um, amusingly enough, not punk music. <laughs> um, <laughs> I it is really bizarre. I do genuinely love so much, so so much music, and I'm also just like passionate about so so much music. I think this Spotify rap stuff is so corny, but I think uh, I think that it said that I listened to like a hundred genres this past nice. year. Yeah, um, and that's about that's totally totally about on point. Yeah, this show coming up Saturday, December 11th is a mixture of synth pop, indie rock stuff, um, and then also noise. Mm -hmm. Um, The one band, A Picture of Water, is my friend Vera Devora, who's come through town before. Really, really good from Lincoln, Nebraska. Mm -hmm. And, And then Emma Linus is... Yeah, my friend Marina's friend. Hmm. Um, and that's very like dream poppy, cool. poppy stuff. Cool. Um, and then Huxley Maxwell, like found sound stuff from Des Moines. Um, it's like lo-fi, kind of indie rocky, kind of folky. Um, reminds me of like Granddaddy or uh, Microphones or... Mm sparkle horse a little Mm -hmm. bit and then haunter is going to be playing my friend's noise project so so good nice yeah one of my favorites sounds like it's going to be a really interesting event where's that at dolly that's at a wild culture kombucha lounge oh okay i've been there before yeah i'm really excited for that uh the they switched ownership recently and the new owner is very pumped um, shout out to Kyle Cross it for letting us have shows. It, it makes a huge difference. There are an unfortunate lack of spaces mm-hmm. for shows right now. It's pretty much down to like Gabe's, which is pretty hit or miss. It's mm-hmm. not always easy to book there. I run a show space, but it's 
especially throughout the pandemic been pr- mm-hmm. pretty hard to like maintain and like have a good idea of of what makes sense and what doesn't i think we have a show coming up in january that's going to be at my show space mm-hmm. called purgatory i don't have all the details mm-hmm. on that show yet cool. um, let me know when you do i will yeah definitely sure. what else um I guess trumpet blossom, right? Trumpet blossom, yeah, yeah, um, totally. But it's like, to me, it's like Gabe's and trumpet blossom are pretty much the like those are the place that places that you can have DIY shows. Right. It's very very cool that uh, the kombucha lounge exists. Yeah, and to anyone listening, if you have a space, we'll bring our PA system to your space. Hell and- yeah. You know, I love I love making shit happen. Yeah, and and that's what it's all that's what it's all about. Thank you, know, you so much for being with us. And check out Pokey's Records and check out Psyop. And uh, the one other thing, if mm-hmm. I may add, just yeah. to end this is in the same vein as me saying like, please, please start a venue in your house, in your attic, in your yeah. garage, wherever. I will help you with a PA. I will help you with whatever you need. In that same vein, start a punk band. Yeah. Start a hardcore band. Start a metal band. Start a noise project. You know, yeah. Yeah. like if, if you can't play an instrument, it sounds like a cop out, but noise is a great way, mm-hmm. great, great way to start getting inspired and artistic. Just do it straight <laughs> up. Like, just please. I'm saying same fucking bands over and over again. Yeah, yeah. And also, Dolly and I, and or I, will be in your band. So, just yeah, like, probably. <laughs> All right. Well, again, Dolly, thanks so much, and I will talk to you soon. All right. Sounds yes, good. this has been right. really awesome. Have a good night, yeah. Dolly. And now, yeah. it's time for. Uh, the upcoming show calendar thing. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The local, the local show calendar. Here we go. So tonight, Thursday, the ninth Druids, Greg Wheeler and the poly mall cops and glass ox. At the gas lamp in Des Moines. Um, yeah, Friday. Uh, we have at Sutliff Cider the Sneezy Dollars, whom I'm friends with, and they play bluegrass. And so if you're into bluegrass and cider, then um, you should go see them play. Then we have Jason Wall Smith, Joel Sires, and Andy Fleming. That is at XBK in Des Moines. I think that's all sort of like singer songwriter indie rock kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, then we have Mary Lattimore and Walt McClements. Uh, this is a Feed Me Weird Things show. And that's going to be put on um, at the old Englert Theater. I'm actually going to be at this one. So if you see me, you should say hi. 
Um, Mary Lattimore is a harpist. So that's pretty cool. Mm, cool. Um, and Walt McClements is an accordionist and multi-instrumentalist. So that should be a really interesting, strange show. Then we have 93 and Alive uh, and Snake House Records presents uh, Fucked Up Bash. All right. And this is like a hip hop show and it seems to be a little edgy, maybe even crossing over into some horror core kind of stuff. So, um, uh, and some of these people are local, so that's why I'm including it. It's Snake Lucci, uh, Schwem, ATM, Keith White, Late Street, True Eddie, King Serp, uh, Nick's Kiss, and DJ Skyro on the ones and twos, which is kind of like uh, when you watch the Weather Channel and they say your weather on the eights. Then we have Stephanie Catlett. And Dave Helmer of Crystal City. That's going to be at the Trumpet Blossom Cafe. And then, last but not least, we have Good Morning Midnight Acid Legs and Haploid at the Gas Lamp in Des Moines. Uh, all of those are tomorrow night, December 10th. So a lot of things going on. On Saturday the 11th, uh, River City Collective presents 5 a.m.'s first annual holidays celebration. Now, 5 a.m., I've not listened to, but a friend at work, uh, Devin, told me about them, and she said they're awesome, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you about them. But it's uh, House of Animals, the 42s, Divide the Fall, and 5 a.m. That's going to happen at the Skylark. It's in... Quad City. Uh, yes, yes, yep. yes. Then we have a show, um, the show that Dolly is putting on that we talked about. It's a painting of water, Emma, Linus, Huxley, Maxwell, and Haunter. That's happening at Wild Culture Kombucha in Iowa City. Again, these are all on the 11th. Then we have a classic, classic local metal band Destrophy. I even played with these guys mm. a long, long time ago. They're going to be with Undisclosed and Rat Catcher. Um, that's going to be at the Classic Event Center, which looks like, um, yeah, basically in the Cedar Rapids area. I don't know. I've never been to Classic Event Center, but that's where it is. And then we have the Hooten Hollers at Gabe's. Um, Dead Coast presents. Um, now, the Hooten Hollers are from Missouri, but I used to play music a little bit with uh, a person called Banjo Kelly, and Banjo Kelly is in the Hooten Hollers. So I still think this is kind of local because um, they did live here. So um, it's kind of like a... Hmm, rock and roll, blues, kind of almost, I don't know, rhythm and blues, hard rhythm and blues with a big old uh, baritone sax and stuff. So it's pretty cool. That's happening at Gabe's. And that's all I got. But that's a lot, you know, yeah, that's for one weekend. Definitely. Crazy. A lot of, lot of choices there for sure. So yeah, anything from industrial metal to harp to um some 
saxophone rhythm and blues. I don't know. Honestly, yeah. bluegrass, all kinds of stuff. Just yeah. Everything. So, everything is kind of going on there. I, I didn't even, yeah. I, I didn't even realize that Destrophy was still making music. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember they played at the Minglewood coffee house in yeah. downtown Muscatine. That's where I played time. with them. Probably the um, same show we're thinking of. Yeah. I, the only reason why I remember that is because I saw a flyer for it somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't actually go to the show. Mm -hmm. I was, I was, uh, I don't know. I never made it down to the Minglewood, dude. Hmm. It's weird. You would think uh, that as soon as I discovered like that, I was mm -hmm. into that sort of thing. You would have thought that I would have just been like, oh, this is my place. Yeah. <laughs> it was a cool, it was a cool place. Mm -hmm. place for um 16 year olds to smoke <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i think besides the, the truck stop i guess yeah part of the reason oh yeah the truck stop yeah uh many nights under a moon were spent there <laughs> i uh it's a nice i place. don't know there's like this weird like a you know like like series of memories that i have of that truck stop and then there it was, became a strip club that featured exclusively yep. people I went to high school with. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> Apparently. I like, never went, but. Well, I went there <laughs> once and it was to deliver a pizza to one of the strippers. Oh. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, a lot of bizarre stories with, uh, with delivering food. Like, oh, man. Quite a few things, actually. New podcast. I, yeah, yeah. Like, like uh, delivery, the delivery podcast. Yeah. T who did you deliver for? We can cut it uh, out or bleep it. Happy Joe's? No, 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 that's okay. No, it wasn't Happy Joe's. It's Pizza Ranch. Oh, really? Uh, yep. Wow. I I uh, started at Pizza Ranch during their grand opening in Muscatine, oh. actually. That that same summer was when the original location on Park Avenue burned down. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was it, I, I had just gotten in, I had just started my shift. And I went to go deliver a couple of pizzas, like at, I don't know, four o'clock in the afternoon or something. And I drove, I had to drive past that because I'm like, holy shit, it's on fire. Wow. Like it was the weirdest thing. And then I came back and I told everyone in the kitchen, happy Joe's is on fire. And they're like, what? And it was kind of interesting because it was pretty funny because my manager was like, well, that means that we're going to get a lot of business. <laughs> and he certainly wasn't lying. Like yeah. every, everyone who um, had planned to order from happy Joe's because it, this was on park Avenue and mm -hmm. you know, South end happy Joe's won't deliver to park Avenue or any of oh. the, so yeah, we ended up, um, <laughs> we ended up like taking a lot of like replacement orders that otherwise would have been ordered by happy Joe's customers. They were like, I'll have a barbecue and a nacho Joe and a BLT. <laughs> and you were like, wrong place, bro. They're wrong place. Like it's on fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you want to go into a fire and get these yeah. pizzas? Drive your ass really to South Bend. <laughs> yeah, call South They got Bend. a goddamn drive up window. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I live uh, on the other end of town. It's like, well, well. Take the six minutes and drive to South yeah. <laughs> Drive Jesus. Christ. I mean, we're not living in Chicago, you know. Oh boy. Hmm. Happy well. Joe's. Happy Joe's.
Yeah, I remember those old like. <laughs> I that... just love singing the song. It's a good was song. that really like the commercials? I don't remember yeah. that. Happy Joe's. <laughs> no, that's not. <laughs> they're like, and they were like, Happy Joe's. <laughs> yeah, I remember though those commercials. <laughs> The, the commercials from like the early 90s mm-hmm. were very effective at making me hungry because yeah. they would like show like all of the pizzas mm-hmm. and they would have like all these like neon colors like describing each pizza like mm. the matador and it was oh, like yeah. that's a and i was one. just like oh damn you know we gotta stop i don't, talking think, about I ever, I don't think i ever had the matador yeah let's mm. stop talking about it <laughs> I lost my voice singing singing Happy Joe's anyway, so probably have to. <laughs> that's, that's the end of it, ladies and gentlemen. Probably have to call it a night. <laughs> um, so my takeaway from this episode is uh, two things. Yes. Number one, never order a pizza from a place that is on fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you you're not going to get that pizza. No. And uh, number two, that Eric should be doing commercial jingles that's my life's dream no joke. yeah no it, well, it would be an awesome job cartoon voices and jingles if i could yes. make a living doing that oh my gosh i would love to do what cartoon a dream. voices. <laughs> all uh, right yeah folks right. Uh, thank folks. you for listening to my um ramble so uh eric wants to be a voice actor and i want to be a soundcloud rapper if anybody can help us out Please do so. Yeah. We're begging, folks. We're begging at this point. Sick of going to work. (laughs) Yeah. None of us want to do that. Work is for suckers. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's what I say. That's why we do this. (laughs) Everybody else is suckers. Yeah, Yeah, you're all suckers making money, paying bills like a bunch of suckers. We just live in filth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) For free. All we have is a microphone and a computer to record on. Yeah, exactly. That's it for free. (laughs) We don't have to pay for any of this stuff. I don't owe anyone anything and I have (laughs) nothing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We're giving each other high fives through the computer screen right now. Yep. Yep. (laughs) And when we high five dust clouds come off of it because we're covered in filth. All right, everyone. That's how poor we are. That's how poor we are. Have a good night, everyone. We're dusty Da-da. poor. <laughs> dusty poor. Ooh, yeah. Oh my God. We're okay. Poor as yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. All right. Have a good night. Da, 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 da. What song is that? Uh, I was supposed to be like some indie thing. Oh, okay. All right. Da, da, ba, 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 ba. This is our last episode, folks. Give me all the punk music. Every anything, just I want it, I want it all.